0: Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. So something that's moving. has got to be you and I, out of neutral, into drive. Out of just hearing and over to a combination of hearing and doing. Amen. Faith without works is dead. We are not called to be a dead church. You are alive. He is alive. And he's living on the inside of you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll give your neighbor a virtual hug and on your way down, um, just bless them like that. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. God bless you. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we got our children in here with us today and um, I want to preach something that will touch their hearts. I want to preach something that will touch your heart as an adult. Uh, You know, we do have our children's church who uh, has begun, but we are, because of the number of teachers, or should I say the lack of number of teachers now that we have, because some have not come back, um, we are now just doing two weeks of children's church, and that's on the third uh, third Sunday and the fourth. He tell me that I'm back to this one. Uh, He just had to get me powered up, huh? amen and so as a result um, uh, the first and second Sundays of each uh, month for the foreseeable future we'll be uh, inviting our children to come in and I believe that God can bless them that God will bless them right in the midst of this amen glory to God Um, I want us this morning I got a call from one of our missionary brothers in the Lord his name is Talat Muhammad he uh, his ministry is called um, Regions and Beyond and uh, he does travel extensively throughout the world and obviously you know that during the time of COVID there was this slowdown in terms of the number of people that were able to travel and even uh, the restrictions from many various countries that would not allow you to come in and now that uh, the vaccinations are, are taking place and, and I'm going to um, just kind of a uh, digress for a moment. Let me encourage all of you about vaccinations. Uh, Please don't talk negatively about people getting vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. Vaccination is not something that's a negative I mean if you feel like you have medical reasons for not I, I can understand that some of you I know sometimes or you are allergic to various things but do not put vaccination in some, some type I was reading an article somebody was bold enough to put it in a Christian magazine talking about this is the sign of the beast and it's like well you don't really even know your bible because I don't know about you by the time they start talking about the sign of the beast I'm already raptured Hallelujah. I'm out of here So this couldn't be biblical, and it's unbiblical for somebody to start talking about vaccination in that kind of vein. That's not scriptural. That's a scare tactic. That's a bullying tactic. I I can't mandate it, nor do I feel like God wants me to try to mandate people get vaccinated, vaccinated, but I'll tell you I believe it's a good thing. I believe that I want all of this congregation to know it's a good thing, it's not a bad thing and if I have any leaders saying otherwise I really want you to come in and talk to me and talk to me about why that you feel like it's a bad thing. Because we can't do that. We, we shouldn't do that. It's a choice that you make but folks, we our population would have been wiped out with measles if it hadn't been for vaccination. Our population have, would have been wiped out with polio if it had not been for vaccination. I don't know if you grasp what 700,000 lives are. 700,000 lives, do you know? We're talking about an empty Washington, D.C. There are no one living in Washington, D.C. with 700,000 people dead. That's how many people have died of this disease. And God wants us to stop. God is not against medicine. God is not against medical doctors. God is not against scientific discoveries and breakthroughs. Much of what you enjoy every day of your life came through some type of breakthrough. How many of you woke up in an air-conditioned house this morning? Some of you might have opened your windows last night and just let fresh air in. But the bottom line is, much of the, the... amenities and much of the comforts that you have in your home came through breakthroughs like that and i believe it was a god-given idea and i believe that god has given people insight in how to stop you remember when moses was watching all of the people die in the wilderness the snakes were biting them the serpents as they are referred to do you remember that moses went to god and said god give me an answer give me something and, and we know that God gave him what we would call an unconventional way of going back. He said, I, I want you to get a rod. I want you to get a stick. I want you to put an a, a image of a serpent on that stick. And I want the people to do what? Look up. And if they look up, no matter what was happening, no matter how they were bitten, they were going to live. I believe that God can use the natural things and so i wanted to take this time this this morning to really encourage you if you haven't gotten vaccinated please do so even if you are one of those asymptomatic persons do you realize that you can actually contract this disease even if it doesn't do harm to you but you can be doing harm to other people you can be doing harm to your children to your grandchildren Though it's not affecting you, so this is why you want to help to be in the process of stamping it out. How many of you are sick and tired of COVID? I'm sick and tired of masks. I know you say, Pastor, you got the advantage today. I do, and and, and but yet at the same time, masks. I've tried them all: cloth mask, the filtered mask, colored mask, designer mask. I'm tired of masks. And I want us, as a people of God, as a church, to get in unity on this matter. Amen? Amen. I do believe that everyone, I've done it. I've gotten shot number one, I've gotten shot number two, and if there comes a shot number three, I'll get shot number three. And I'm encouraging you, don't let so many of these conspiracy theories blind your mind the bible says that's how the devil is able to creep into our our lives because he comes to blind the minds of men and and, and, and to be thinking or even to articulate that somehow that's a negative if somebody folks this is not a lack of faith I didn't see myself as not having faith by taking a shot and I think some of you are trying to put it into that vein that you don't have any faith if you took the shot. I got my faith in God. Now you can have your faith in God and die. You can have your faith in God and die. I know a lot of people who have their had as they so-called have faith in God. And God was trying to tell them, you know, how many of you remember that example of the man on the roof? There's a flood. And there's a man on the roof. And he had climbed up on the roof. And then a boat came, and the man says, they said, come, 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 get in the boat. He says, oh, no, I'm waiting on God. Uh And then they sent a much bigger boat because this water was rising, and the man is up on the roof. The water is so high, it's on the roof, and he's up on the roof. And they send this man a larger boat, and he still rejects the boat because he says, I'm waiting on God. Uh And then... Finally, uh, 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 aviation, uh, uh, a helicopter comes and it has a ladder and it drops a ladder down and it says, climb up, climb up. And the man says, go away, go away. I'm waiting on God. And then the next scenario, the man dies. He wakes up, he's in heaven. And he says, God, what happened? I was waiting on you. And God said, I sent you a boat. You rejected it. I sent you a bigger boat. You reje- I even sent you a helicopter, and you rejected it. There are things that God is sending us, church. Don't reject it. Amen. Don't reject it. And I'm saying this very confidently in my prayer and my time with God. I believe very confidently that God is sending help to his people. I believe that every medical doctor would stand with me and say, this is in your best interest. This is not something that's going to be harmful to you. This is in your best interest. So I encourage you. So I, I, I transition now again back to evangelist Muhammad Talat uh, Muhammad rather, and and ta- Talat called me, and he and I had a long conversation, probably over an hour, prayed with him, and he said, "Look, like everything is coming against me, Pastor." I know I have a call on my life to go into the uttermost parts of the earth. I know that God is calling, and he is, um, had scheduled to go to Malta, uh, from Malta to Ethiopia, from Ethiopia uh, to um, a part of Turkey, and from there to Italy, and then back uh, to his home, which is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He says, but I need help. He says, look like everything that could go wrong with my home was going wrong with my home you know how many of you know that stuff starts to break down and he said and allocations and resources that I set aside and I said my brother I'm going to make an appeal to the people of rainbow because I know they know you I know they love you and I know that they will help you I believe, and I'm saying this and I don't generally give numbers, but I believe that we can and should raise about $5,000 so that he can go and can carry this good news and gospel to Malta, to Ethiopia, to all of those areas that God has put in his path to go preach the gospel how many of you know people still need to hear the good news the devil would love for us to stop flying and going he'd love for you to get to the point where he said i'm not going to get it on a flight i'm thankful i do know that there are a lot of countries that do not have the privilege or the benefit of having the vaccine right now but we believe in that god will surround brother Talent with his favor like a shield i i i share it with you one time when the lord told me to go to um dominica to preach and folks i didn't want to go to dominica i'm just going to tell you i was okay being here and in my prayer time the lord said and it was a terrible situation you know a terrible tropical storm had gone through there i mean almost just wiped the island out and i'm here praying and i'm praying for dominica i thought yeah that's enough isn't it just pray god said i want you to go i want you to go help rebuild and we had members in our church from dominica and so i you know you can have this i don't want you how many of you had food that you didn't want to eat but you ate it and it did you good how many of you had some medicine that you didn't want to take but you took it and it did you some good this was medicine that i needed to take and i needed to go but as I'm praying about it, okay, Lord, what do I do? Because there was uh, a lot of pushback. The, air, the airstrip in Dominica had been severely damaged, and they were saying you can't fly in there. And, and uh, you know, a Delta, I, I have to give credit to Delta representative called me, and she said, well, what I can do is I, I can— fly you to Puerto Rico, but you would have to stay a few days in Puerto Rico, and then we'll put you on a a flight going from Puerto Rico to uh, there, and at that time, they thought we were going to have to fly into St. Lucia, and then catch a ferry back to, and I said, that's fine, as long as you can get me there, but while I'm praying, God says, there's a man that's supposed to go with you, and I can see talent, and it was this. Just as plain as I'm talking now, I saw Talent getting off a plane and getting on a plane with me. And he says he's supposed to go with you. And when I called Talent, he was in some country that I can't even pronounce the name, and I don't even remember the name, but I couldn't pronounce it. And he, and he said, Oh, brother, brother, I'm about to go in and preach right now. He said, But I had a dream. I was getting off a plane and we were getting on a plane together. And I said, Oh, that's all I need. That's all I need. And it would be, I I think, something like 10, even 14 days before I would talk to Talon again. But he already knew God was calling him, and he and I were supposed to go on a missionary journey together. We did. We made a lot of contact in Puerto Rico, preached the gospel in Puerto Rico together. And then we went on down to... Um, dominica and that was just an awesome time because i would preach in several locations he would be preaching in several locations and many people would be getting saved and even the ministers today we still have contact with them about what the lord did on that journey and that assignment you as rainbow family christian center set a church up that the roof was literally just blown and torn away you rebuilt that You rebuilt that. Give yourself a hand clap. You rebuilt that. And I believe that there's something that God is doing and something that God is moving right now. And the reason that I'm appealing to you before we receive the tithe is to let you know um, everything that you give, 100% of it, we make sure that it goes to that cause. And this cause is to help him to make those scheduled time it'll be in October the latter part of October that he will be traveling but this will assist so when you give this morning you're giving your tithes you're giving your offering that which you designate as an offering we want to sow it into uh, um, regions beyond uh, pastor uh, talent or evangelist talent so that we can help send the gospel as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost parts of the earth I mean, you know that you might not physically go, but you will have a part in the carrying of the gospel into the uttermost part of the earth. This is an opportunity to do that now. So, Father, I thank you for the heart of your people. I thank you for the obedience of your people. I thank you for the giving, and I thank you for the corresponding return on that giving. And I thank you and bless you, and I call the people blessed, Father, as they obey the word of God. And We thank you for what you're able to do in and through us, this local company of believers here in 20904. God, we know that the gospel is not just to be preached here in Silver Spring. The gospel is not just to be preached here in the United States of America. The gospel has to go into every nation, to every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every tribe needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you like the Church of Macedonia, that we will give sacrificially if necessary. Because for us, the most important thing is that the people know Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Ushers are going to come, and when you are ready, uh, those of you who are giving online, we thank you for pressing or depressing that little button that allows you to pay or give online and uh, some of you who are in the congregation I know that that's how you give and so we thank you but those who are giving perhaps by check or cash we thank you and welcome you as you come and bring your tithes and your offerings. that I want to make before I get into the Word. And I laugh, one of my brothers in the Lord, he's a minister, and he says, you preach a sermon on your announcement. <laughs> so you all pray for me. I don't want to preach a sermon on each announcement, but they are important. They are extremely important. Uh, we want to thank you, Pat and I, Uh, for your expressions of love and appreciation concerning this month of october which we know is clergy appreciation but what i'd like to do at this time all of you who are ordained ministers of the gospel would you please stand would you please stand those who are ordained ministers of the gospel would you please stand many of them are doing some incredible things in this church and a lot of times i'm the only one that's getting that so-called pat on the back but these are the people that are behind the scenes stand up kyle Uh, (laughs) stand up Amen. They are the people behind the scene. They are on the Wednesday night. They're teaching Bible studies. They're doing a number of different and wearing a number of different hats. I wear a lot of different hats as well, but I couldn't do, and this church couldn't do what we are doing without the help of these people that you're seeing. So when we talk about clergy, appreciation, you're not just talking about pastor. You're looking at Sister Faith over there. You're looking at my lovely wife, Pat, there. You're looking at Elder Felix, who is... Such a right hand man. You're looking at Minister Rose Phillips and Minister Tammy Wright and Minister uh Kyle Campbell and uh I don't see Felicia in here, but I know she's here today. She may back there in the children's section back there. But these are some tremendous men and women of God who come alongside and strengthen my hand and help me to do what we're doing. So give them another round of applause and appreciation and in ways that you can express to them. Sister Terry Bell, I didn't see her. I see Brother Ron. Ron, you should have stood up for Terry. <laughs> She's back there in the back. But so many people that are doing so many wonderful things. And we thank God. And all across the, the world, uh, and especially in the nation of uh, this nation, uh, this month, is set aside to just simply say uh, to those who who labor those who toil uh, those who statistics say sometimes want to quit because it gets so hard those who feel like they're in the pit at times in their lives those who feel like they are just alone who can I talk to who can I have some fellowship or relationship with Uh, Those are the people that we are wanting you to be mindful of and to be prayerful over during the course of this month and in the months ahead. Amen. Glory to God. I want to remind you that we are going to have what we call a church business meeting, but it's an informational meeting. That will take place on the last Wednesday of this month. Now, that will be in lieu of the Wednesday or midweek Bible study. So. Uh, what you were accustomed to doing in terms of uh, getting on a Zoom conference with us on a Wednesday night. You just simply on that same, uh, the last Wednesday night of this month, you'll get on. And uh, the board of directors from Rainbow Family Christian Center will be hosting that particular uh, time. And we kind of want to be able to share where were we before all of this mess started, before all of COVIDs came in. What, how and what did we have to do during this time? And then what are we going to do as we now move beyond this season of COVID? What are some of the things that we've learned? What has the finances been like? What, what has happened with the program of building and getting a new building, getting a new church? Uh, we want to bring you up to speed if that's something that you're interested in. I hope that you're all interested in. I hope you'll all be there. And so my board will be giving that briefing. I will just give a few comments uh, at the end, a few remarks at the end, but we've got a very capable board of directors, a wonderful secretary, treasurer, and and officers of that particular body. Uh, We were a a group of seven, one who needed to resign, and I was in total agreement with it. And so we're a body of six. I'm also looking for one other person if not uh, more to join this board and so uh, you know I I would even say to you if you feel like that's one of those areas where you feel like God has really called you come sit down and talk to me about it. Uh, I certainly watch people and listen to people and Sometimes we'll even personally ask that person if you would consider being on the board of directors. But, yeah, if I've overlooked or missed and you feel like that's where God's called you, then you come and have a conversation with me. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, Miss Pat would probably say I'm remiss if I don't say this. Next Saturday, we're reaching back out to our community. We do this every second. And fourth Saturday of the month where we try to make sure that every house has at least two weeks of groceries in it and so uh, we'll be uh, preparing and boxing and bagging and pushing carts out to people on this coming Saturday we do it all week long so you could come really and help on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday but Saturday is that big push push it out to the car day Um, How can I help, Pastor? I can't lift. I don't need everybody to lift. I don't need everybody to lift a box or a bag. But I need you to help lift some burdens. I would love it if there was at least a dozen people who came right here on Saturday morning, right here, and just prayed while we were back there. So if you're looking and saying, well, I can't assist in that area, you're wrong. You can I don't need everybody to bag. I don't need everybody to push a cart. I do need some people who are bold and courageous like uh, I will be that will pray for everybody who wants prayer out there in that line. And folks, I got here the other week and we weren't even distributing people thought we were distributing and there were 60 cars already in line. I got here at 9.15. That was my late day. I said, oh, I'm not going to rest. I'm going to sleep. But I'm going to come in and do my Bible or our prayer time and at ten o'clock in the sanctuary, but when I rode up, the line was already very long. and so one by one, I just talked to the people and let them know, apologize that uh, for whatever miscommunication and that they were out there lined up and just let them know when was the next available date that they could come and receive. Folks, um, I would estimate that we're probably given well over $5 million worth of food just in this year alone. Uh, And I apologize to those of you who are watching, but for those of you who are physically here, we've got literally two freezers full of ice cream that I'd like to give away today. I hope you're not lactose intolerant, but I got a lot of ice cream. And literally, folks, there is probably three more pallets of it that I've got to find a place to store it tomorrow. So please help a pastor out and at the end of the service take some ice cream home. Say, Yay, man, Ma- Madison. She's looking at me like ice cream. She looked at you, Mom. Like, ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, and so we have a lot of frozen fruit bars. Uh, I mean, it's everything, folks. It's from Haagen-Dazs to Dove to, I don't want to name all of the name brands, but it's a lot of things that are there and at the end of the service. So don't slip out and go back there and be eating ice cream when I finish up the service. I just want you to stay with me during the course of the service. So uh, indulge and take part in that with us today. Amen. Leaders, leaders of Rainbow, those of you who are viewing, those of you who are physically here, I need to meet with you next week. I want to do it via Zoom, but I need all my leaders of Rainbow to, I haven't had a leaders meeting with you in some time. where it says it's now time because we are getting ready to move. We're getting ready to do some things uh, quite differently. I need everyone who, who leads up a uh, uh, cell group. I need everyone who is in a leadership capacity in this church. I need you to be on that Zoom. That's going to be next Sunday night. It's a week from the next Sunday night. I'll send out the link to all of you, uh, but that's going to be next Sunday night at 6 p.m. I want you to just kind of put it in your calendar right now, but in next Sunday night, 6 p.m., uh, via Zoom, um, I will probably be physically here, so if anybody wants to physically come and be a part, you can come and meet me here at the church at 6 o'clock, but we'll Zoom with those who can't physically get here. Uh, and there are just some things that we need to talk uh, out as a leadership team. Amen? All right. Well, are you ready for the word? Amen. Amen. So am I. Uh, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 then. Luke chapter 10. This is going to be a familiar parable to all of us. Uh, We're going to start at the 25th verse. I've asked the team to put that up on the screen in the message translation. When I get to preaching or talking about it, I'll probably convert back to a King James or a New King James version of that scripture, but just for... Clarity, understanding. I think I was thinking about the children more when I thought of Message Bible when I wanted to put this up. And it starts out in verse 25 saying this. Just then, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. I mean, you know, a lot of times people ask questions just to test you. They're really not trying to as it were, gain more information. They're trying to test you or to trying to get you to be, in a sense, discredited. And so just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Next scripture, please. So in verse 26, he answered, Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? Next verse. And he said that you love the Lord, your God, with all of your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Jesus said, a good answer. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole. Do you understand that sometimes you can give people an answer, but it's not the answer that they wanted to hear? And so they start looking for a loophole. So looking for a loophole, he asks, and just how would you define neighbor? How many of you remember Peter back in the day asking how often should he forgive somebody? Seven times? He thought, man, I have laid it out there seven times. And Jesus would respond 70 times that. But this person is also looking for a loophole, and he asks, and just how would you define neighbor? Next verse, please. So Jesus answers by telling a story, a parable as we would call it in the Bible. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. When I read this, I think about having been on the Jericho Road, having taken a a group of you from Rainbow to uh, Jerusalem to Israel, and we were on the Jericho Road, and I think we could really envision this passage of Scripture. This is generally the passage of Scripture that I like to preach when I'm there. Everywhere when we go to Israel, and I believe that we we, we are, as a church, going to be going back to Israel very soon. I'll say that now. I don't have a date, but I will begin to talk to our friend, Ezra, and I'm going to start putting together another pilgrimage back to Israel. But this time, we're going to preach. We're going to preach a lot there. But every time we would go, when we reach a site, I would ask certain people, certain of these ministers or leaders, to teach at that site so that they could bring the Bible alive again. Now, folks, every time I'm in Jerusalem, I just think about Jesus is coming. And the Bible says this is where he's going to come and set up his kingdom. There's something uh, that moves me. I'm moved by songs. I'm moved by scripture. And when we were on this Jericho road, I was thinking about this passage of scripture. And it says, "On the way, he was attacked by robbers." I don't know if anybody in this congregation has ever been attacked. I hope you haven't been, but uh, you probably have heard about. You probably seen news of people who have been attacked, and this man had been attacked. And here's how they left him: they they, they, they attacked him. They took his clothes. They beat him up. And they went off, leaving him half dead. That's just no mercy, is it? You're beating someone, you're taking their clothing. Many of us can remember perhaps a decade ago when children were killing each other for a pair of sneakers. There was a jacket out at the time called a starter kids were getting killed over a starter jacket an NFL logo starter jacket many mothers and grandmothers and fathers and sisters and brothers were grieving because people just weren't showing any com- mercy, any compassion and it's happening again, I don't know if you realize it's happening again so they went off leaving him half dead next verse please they use this word luckily but the King James Version would basically say people started to come past and they started to realize that there is a man that's hurt and the scripture says he was in a ditch so here's the first one a priest and he was on his way traveling down that same road but when he saw him I love the way this virgin said he angled how many of you ever seen been walking down the street and you take an angle so that you don't come in contact with the person this man took an angle one translation says he kind of went to the other side of the street I don't really want to confront this or deal with this is what he's saying in his heart but we would think that this would be the person that would most likely respond but when he saw him he angled across to the other side verse 32 now Then a Levite. Those of us who read our Bible, remember that when we talk about Levites, we're talking about, again, a group of religious people, a religious leader, Levitical, the priesthood, is what the Bible would call this tribe of Judah, or a tribe of Israel. Uh, So a Levite, a religious man, showed up, but he also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan, now, a Samaritan, and the reason that it's laid out like this, a Samaritan, I want you to know that's like putting, how many of you are familiar with the Gaza Strip? this is a along the Gaza border on one side are Israelites on the other side are Palestinians they don't get along matter of fact much of what you hear on the news about the Gaza Strip is usually about a war a fighting, a killing because they don't get along this is like saying there's a Muslim and a Jew and you put them together how many of you think that they're going to get along. What's a Muslim is generally going to be thinking about the Jew. I, I should kill him. I, I definitely won't have anything to do with him. But I don't have any respect for him. I don't have any sense of, uh, 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 of compassion toward him. So this is the situation. When you see that word Samaritan, you're talking and they're dealing with the people at that point in time who uh, if you look at their history, this is a bunch of, uh, of people who were Israel, Israeli, who were taken into captivity. Then they got very settled in this environment of their captor. They weren't released. And so after a while, they began to intermarry. I mean, you know, there are people have problems with people intermarrying. And so the... The Israeli was now marrying, who the one who wasn't in the captivity they would say, "How how gross is that? How horrible is that? How bad of people? How many of you know you can categorize people, for no reason at all? You know, a lot of what we went through over the summer was simply a lot of polarization. You know, a man running through a neighborhood." and people getting on a truck and asking, what are you doing in this neighborhood? Feeling empowered enough to pull out a gun and shoot the man who lived in the neighborhood. I know that I have been stopped in neighborhoods. I know that I have felt the need to put my hands up really high so that that officer could see my hands and realize that I'm no threat. I mean, you know that the Samaritan was no threat to the Israeli but they treated them in that way so when we introduce this third character in here the Samaritan who didn't have too much to do with the Jew and the Jew didn't have too much to do with the Samaritan he is traveling on this same road and he came to this man and when he saw the man's condition everybody read with me his heart went out to him say it one more time his heart went out to him. Let me see if they can read better over here. And his heart went out to him. What do you do when you see people that are hurting? Let's let's finish it up. I want to finish it up. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wound. And then he lifted him up on his donkey, led him to an inn, made him comfortable. Next verse. And in the morning, you understand this is an overnight state. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill I'll pay you on my way last part of that scripture Amy verse 36 so he's going to pay him on his way back and he says what do you think which one of these three again this is the man who is testing Jesus with this question which, which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by a robber here's a gentleman response to Jesus he says the one who treated him treated him kindly the the religion scholar responded and Jesus said good go and do the same now if you have read it from the King James translation or uh, the New King James translation or NIV or whatever that translation you may have might have read slightly different than that but you get this gist how many people are involved in this particular parable How many people are involved? It's four, isn't it? You have a priest. You have a Levite. You have a Samaritan. And you have an injured victim. Who do you identify with this morning? Who do you identify with? This is not rhetorical. I am looking for some responses. Now, let me just take the poll then. How many of you identify with the priest? Raise your hand that's our one response how many of you identify with the Levites that's, that was me, the Levite was me I see no hands how many of you identify with the Samaritan, that's me mm. I see a few hands how many of you identify with the man in the ditch that's been beat up Mmm, few of you how many of you say I'm just not going to commit today pastor <laughs> it's not a trick question it's not a trick question even when I think about the man in the ditch even if you are the person that's in the ditch there's some things that you have to put away in order to receive help there's things that you have to put away to receive help I'm a military retiree do you know on the battlefield, you're fighting beside people and they don't care what color you are when you're fighting on the battlefield. If they are wounded and they need blood, they don't say, hey, I don't want no blood coming out of that black man. You got to find me a white man and get blood from the white man. All they want to know is I'm O positive. If he, he was O positive and I'm O positive, hey, give me the blood. I mean, you realize they don't tell you what color the vessel is that if you needed a blood transfusion, you went to the hospital. All they were going to say, do you match the type? And so this man also had to make some adjustments. I think some of us see him as unconscious and unresponsive. I think he was just badly hurt, but I think he could respond. I think he could see who was helping him. I think he had to deal with some things in his life that said, I now need to receive help from the most unlikely person that I thought would help me. And see, sometimes God is going to send the most unlikely person across your path to help you. And you've got to be open to receive. Somebody say, open to receive. If you're open to receive, lift your hands to what God said. I'm open to receive. Because God is not going to let you determine how you're going to get blessed. I used to deal with people who would give me a list and say, Pastor, pray for my husband. And they'd give me a list of all the things about their husband that they wanted. i said, oh, Lord, you ain't never going to get married. Because now you describe what God's got to do. And, and at that time, we had a, a friend. Look, I don't think she ever thought about intermarriage. She was here in Washington, D.C., and she had her, her, her list of qualities. And, and, and so God brings her a most unlikely candidate. She is now Mrs. Fonseca. But she had, you know, tall, dark, and handsome. It's a totally different character. Totally different race. God didn't care about that stuff. We people make too much of that stuff. God, do you know what the Bible says? God is no respecter of person. Everybody say red and yellow. Red and yellow. Black, and white. Black and white. Finish it. They're precious in his sight. The reverse has to happen now. Are people precious in your sight? Does your heart go out to a person if they're only the color of your skin? And look, sometimes people that are the color of your skin won't even respond to you. The priest didn't respond to him. The Levite didn't respond to him. It was a Samaritan. It was a God-sent messenger to him, a God-sent compassion to him. See, some people can preach this but can't live this. Some people can come to church and be faithful to be to church every Sunday, but they ain't living Christ. They are not living Christ. There are some people who are going to try to stand before God and say, God, God did not. They think it's all about their little work that they did. I served on the usher board, I sang in the choir. I preached, God. And Lord, I was the loudest amen for Pastor. And God says, but that's got nothing to do with it. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you truly a believer? Folks, there is a buzzword in the Christian community right now. We pastors have been talking about it. And it's called, they call themselves deconstructing from their faith. These are people, there's a gentleman, and I won't call his name. He's a well-known preacher who decided he was going to take a year off from God. That God was going to have to prove himself to him. How many of you know God don't have to prove nothing to you? I don't have to prove anything to you, so God's going to have to prove. And at the end of the year, he decided, I don't believe in God. Stepped down from his church, stepped out of his marriage. And I'm telling you, he has really, when we track where he is right now, he has really stepped into the fire. I share it with you about a a well-known pastor in southern Africa who stood up on Easter Sunday morning and denounced his wife and said, That woman over there, that's the one supposed to be my wife. And the congregation, as crazy as this may sound, stood up and cheered. How foolish is that? Folks, we're living in these last days where the Lord just was sharing me, with me because I've been reading the book of Revelation there was a member who said Pastor you got to teach me about the book of Revelation I said look I need to go back and refresh myself I said this was to within myself and I started going back through the book of Revelation and I realized that when God was talking about famine folks the famine is not going to be food the famine is going to be that you're are, you going to go to places where nobody's going to be preaching Jesus anymore You're going to have all kinds of sounds and you're going to have all kinds of uh, 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 of motivational concepts being thrown at you, but no Jesus. No gospel. no, no, No holding you accountable. Do anything. Live anyway. It's okay. God loves us all. He does love you, but there are people that God loves that are going to go to hell. Oh, shout me down now. There are people. How many of you know God loves everybody right now? And he always will. But that won't stop if you don't stop and you don't change and you don't move in the direction that God's trying to make you in. Some of us won't leave some situations and some people alone. And God is saying, look, every time that person comes into your life, they just blow up your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say they just blow up your life? all kind of stuff happens, all kind of confusion happens, I mean you were making progress but all of a sudden now you realize I'm a few steps back because you wouldn't let that go it's kind of like when we talk about Abraham and Lot like why did he just stay with Lot in every situation but God is trying to show us who are we, who do we identify But I am going to stick with where you tend to hear this message preached from. But I'd like for you to be able to expand this week in terms of looking at all four of these characters and truly identifying who are you in this. And I know that 99% of you are going to say you're the Good Samaritan, but are you? Are you? How many people have you already passed by? How many people did you pass by that you could have brought to church today? Where well, you could have brought them to a place of comfort? Where well, you could have brought them to a place of help? How many of you passed your neighbors this week and didn't even check on them? Do you know that they are elderly? You know, yesterday I was coming home, I was tired, but I saw one of my elderly neighbors out in their wheelchair. Sitting in the driveway, the son probably had taken him out to, you know, just kind of get some of the fresh air. But I could see she was just sitting there lonely. And so I stopped, put my mask on, and went, and just talked for just a moment. Folks, it don't take but just a moment. It wouldn't have taken the priest but just a moment to check on this man. It wouldn't take the Levite but just a moment to check on this man. It won't take you but just a moment to check on somebody oh stop showing up in mass at people's funerals because you didn't check on them you wouldn't check on them right now I pray that the spirit of the Lord will bring somebody to your remembrance right now and the reason that he's going to bring them to your remembrance is because you need to check on them today you don't pass them while you don't take another angle you don't go to the other side of the road you don't say well tomorrow You check up on them today. You call them today. You FaceTime them today. You do whatever is necessary today to make contact with them. Anybody say amen to that? Because I believe that God's going to bring that person visibly to your mind. To your mind. And that you need to make contact today. We put off stuff until it seems like the person dies. And then everybody wants to show up. Everybody wants to read a poem. Everybody wants to release some balloons. Release some of God, the God in you. Release some of that into their lives right now. This man, his heart went out, and he released the God in him to that man. How many of you think that Jesus would have passed this man by? Nobody in here, probably in their right mind, would think that Jesus would have passed that man by. So his man was more like Jesus, and the Bible said this is what it was about he was a neighbor. The Ten Commandments. I don't know if you have a PowerPoint back there with the Ten Commandments on it. Look at this. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord, thy God, in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Let's stay right there. What I come to the conclusion and I know we could have a debate on number five but what I come to the conclusion is this. The first five commandments is about how you love God. It's how you love God. The second five commandments is about how you love people. Let's put those up. Number six. Next slide Amy if you don't want. Look at number six. Thou shalt not care. That's how you treat other people thou shalt not commit adultery that's how you treat other people thou shalt not steal that's how you're treating other people thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor and thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house I think some translations say thy neighbor's wife all about how you're treating people you remember how Jesus when he was teaching about the commandments he said it's really just two. all the others hinge on these two Love God it was commandment number one, wasn't it? What was commandment number two? Love your neighbor. So he summed up the ten into two. Now I believe the first five. He said, but he said, father and mother, folks, if you're not honoring children, if you're not honoring your father and your mother, you're not honoring God. If you're talking about about your parents, if you are willfully disobeying your parents. If you are lying and deceiving your parents, you don't love God. You can come in here and sit in front of pastor, smile, hug pastor's neck. but you don't love God, not when you can do that to your own parent. And so God really challenges us to examine ourselves about our love and if we have this love like the Samaritan it's going to be perhaps predicated on these five things that I'm going to give you number one here's one of the things that we see about the nature of the Samaritan he chooses to see the need do you realize that the priest didn't choose to see the need I don't want to see it I got other things to do I got to go to the house of the Lord and preach He chose to see the need I'll give one of my examples I was coming it was a Wednesday and I know Wednesdays are sometimes really packed for me because I uh, at that time we were still meeting and having Bible studies a circle Bible study with many of the members of the church and I was on my way and I saw just before I got to the college park exit an older couple standing by their car You've seen that kind of situation on the Beltway, right? And I could tell that they were in trouble. Some type of mechanical failure. But I'm going to Rainbow. I usually don't take the College Park exit. I get on what is called 95 North Baltimore, and I get off at the Calverton exit and come up uh, Calverton Parkway and, and straight here to the church. And I don't have much time because Bible study is going to be starting. I mean, you know that God would want you to live it, not just preach it. And my heart got convicted. And I found myself making an exit on US1. I found myself doing a legal, not illegal, but a legal U-turn and going back south on 495, all the way back down to the Greenbelt exit so that I could make a turn to come back up and stop with this couple. What was the problem? They ran out of gas. He didn't want to leave her alone. Their car had New Jersey plates on it, they didn't know anything around that area. How many of you know it doesn't take you long to just stop and go get some gas? I say, Pastor, did you have a gas container? No, you just have to buy one. You just buy one. Most of the service stations know that they'll have situations like that, so they have the little two gallon container. Buy one, take it back. And I want you to understand this requires some time because now I got to go, I go back on the college park. I stop at a service station. I make the U-turn again. I go south again. I make another U-turn. I come back north again. I put gas in and then make sure that the car gets started. And then show them right here the College Park exit. You can go and there's a service station on the right. I got the Bible study on time five minutes before, but I got the Bible study on time. You have time to stop if you will recognize that that's a genuine need. And that's what that gentleman did. He, 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 he chose to see the need. I put two scriptures in there, Matthew 9, 36, and Luke 10, 20. In Matthew 9:36, 36, it says, and the report of this went out into all the land. See, when you do something that really is of God, it, that report will go out. People will know it. That couple, I'm sure, went back and told somebody, there was a man that just stopped, a total stranger, and we knew it was God. I believe that their faith increased, their desire to realize that when you're in trouble, God will send help. Sometimes, folks, it's not for your testimony. Sometimes it's their testimony that God's trying to get you to stop. It's their faith that God's trying to help you to be an instrument in increasing their faith. Look at Luke 10, 20. I put these in my notes. Luke 10, 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And God is saying, look, every time you do something for God, your name is. It's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Amen. Folks, you don't do things for people to pat you on the back. All right. I may never see that couple again until I get to heaven. Mm-hmm. You don't do what you're doing and saying, did pastor see me? <laughs> did pastor notice that I was dead? Did pastor notice that what I was doing? Did so-and-so notice what I was doing? And folks, the Bible says, when you're really doing it for God, the right hand don't even know what the left hand is doing. Because you're doing it not as unto men. You are doing it as unto God. This man was not doing it so that he could uh, have a peace accord arranged. His heart went out to that man, and he reached out to him. He didn't say, I don't have time. I'm a businessman. I'm on my way somewhere. He said, here's a hurting person. And I am a capable and able person. How many of you are capable and able this morning to help somebody? See, you have to take that capability and that ability that God gives you and use it for God's glory. You have to see the need. Don't get so comfortable passing people by. You remember the story that's told of, uh, 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 in fact there's this big church it's a big luxurious church and people are coming in, they're dressed they're in fine attire nice coats, minks the whole nine yards and they're coming in and it's a cold uh, morning and people all bundle up and, and beside or near the church at the church steps is this homeless character battered clothing kind of smelly Just in a kind of a bundle and a ball. And people are coming. These are all church people driving up in their alphabet cars, B's, M's, and W's. B's. <laughs> what, 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 you know, just driving up. Bless. And somebody said, Blessed. Blessed. Blessed people. But every one of them, when they saw the man sitting on the church step, went on in, went on in, went on in, went on in no one stopped except a couple of people who said get off of these steps can't you find somewhere else to go sit and so as they're in there waiting for the pastor to come in and do what they so comfortably would do every week they realize here comes a homeless man how I many of you know that every now and then there are people who will stop people who come in that don't look a certain way? Usher's, don't y'all ever be like that. You know what the Bible says? You don't see a person and start to judge them and say, you sit here. And then you see people who you think are dressed and who you think are on top. And you say, well, you sit up here. But you get the other person and you say, you sit back there. So here comes the homeless man. And he doesn't stop. He just comes, and you know what he does? He comes up into the pulpit. Happened to be their pastor. It happened to be their pastor. He wanted to see did he really have any good Samaritans in his church? And so they didn't recognize him. He had put on enough makeup, wig, a lot of old battered clothing, that the people didn't recognize it was him, it was their pastor. I won't put you to a test like that. (laughs) But I'm telling you, your test is coming, and I believe it's coming today. I believe it's coming this week. Whether you who believe that you are a Samaritan, God's going to see whether you are. Because some of us are all about ourselves. We are all about doing activities that we benefit from. We're not so much into activities where we won't get any benefit but the other person gets all the benefits. I mean, come on. He put the man on his donkey so what does that mean that he has to do? He is spending from his wallet so how many of you realize probably some adjustment has to be made in your budget? Because now somebody else is in your budget. Somebody else is being paid out of your pocket. But that didn't matter. Because his heart went out. Everybody say, a matter of, matter of the heart. Say it again, a matter of the heart. We're talking about things, for our folks, that it's a matter of the heart. Is it really in your heart to do? So when it's in your heart to do, you now have the heart of Christ. You now have the mind of Christ. You are now saying, not my will, not what's so convenient for me. But what is the will of God in this situation? You are not satisfied just having the title priest, having the title Levite. You are now more concerned about being the servant. The servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord. You don't mind getting off of your car or or, or, or your chariot. You you, you now want somebody else to be blessed with it. Here's the second thing that you will learn about the Samaritan. It's this. Not only did he choose to see see the need, he answered the cry. He answered the cry. He answered the cry. If you hear a scream in your neighborhood at night, how many of you would get up out of your bed? Most people won't. It's like, what's that? <laughs> They'll never get up and check. Years ago, they made a movie of it uh, about it, Jodie Foster played the character in the movie. It happened in Boston, it happened in a bar. There's a lady who comes into the bar and there's drinking and there's a pool table and she goes to the pool table and she's playing pool and, and, and apparently she may have had on a dress that was short and the guys, two guys assume, okay, um, she wants it. And so they make a pass at her that she rejects. And so they became forceful Folks, I don't know if you remember this case in Boston. They raped the woman in the bar, on the pool table, with other people in there, and no one lifted a hand to help. Do you see abuse and you okay just walking past it? I get in a lot of trouble because... People tell me I interject myself into situations, but I can't stand to see someone being taken advantage of, abused, and not just do anything. This is the reason I say this about bullies in in school, and I'm I'm talking from a school level right now. Folks, how many of you realize that there weren't really a lot of bullies in your school? There's generally one, two, maybe a half dozen. And I would always say, how many students were in the school though?" And did they realize that if all, they all got together, what could the bully do? What could the, but what do most kids do when they see another child being bullied? What happens when the one child says, I'm going to beat you up? okay, we're going to be there to see. You need to have a mindset, I'm going to be there to stop this. I'm going to be there perhaps to report this to the principal. Oh, you're a snitch. Folks, stop letting yourself get caught up in that foolishness talking about I'm no snitch. You're telling the truth, and you're helping to bring about safety in somebody's life. Oh, they will say I'm a snitch. They say, I I don't snitch. You're not a friend. You're not a Samaritan. You're not being godly when you allow it to happen and you sit back and watch. And and, and that scenario that I painted for you about Boston, I just said, I can't imagine being in that situation and not injecting yourself in it. And saying, "Stop!" Yet yeah, the case went to court, and it was a tough case because we were living in an environment where people were thinking, "Well, well, she was dressed a certain way. She was. At- what did that have to do with it?" I don't necessarily agree with someone's attire all of the time, but that doesn't mean that that attire is saying, "Come rape me." I, I, when we go back to the Samaritan and this man who has been beat up, look, he is saying his heart goes out because he's saying, this man didn't ask to get beat up this morning. Come on folks, do you realize what you read? They took all of his clothes. Can you imagine being beat up and bruised and they, they took your clothes too? They took all your money, they took all your possessions. Somebody has to step in. Somebody has to step up. Somebody has to step in. Someone has to answer the cry. Proverbs 21.13 Proverbs 21.13 says Whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. That's Bible you're reading. Why don't you read it out loud? Let it get in your spirit. This is why sometimes when you, you hear my wife appealing to the members of this church, come and help us on a Saturday. Come and help us serve. Come in and help us to help people who are in desperate need of just some basic necessities of food. And we, we're trying to say to you, please don't shut your ear to the cry of the poor. Because there's a... How I many remember the story of uh, the boy who cried wolf? And then when he really needed help himself, nobody came. Folks, we, we call this... Um, oh, must not have been imported because it went away that quick. But when you hear the cry, and this man heard this man cry, you realize that when you are beat up and you're hurting you're probably moaning and groaning anybody ever go to the hospital and and you can hear the moaning and groaning in some of the rooms and God says I don't want you to it's like me when I share it with you there was a time and some of you will remember this member her name was Deborah Small and and Miss Pad I had just finished preaching a funeral that day I had to have traveled all the way down past uh, Waldorf and out into a long distance to do the interment for this person. And then we had to, I think Mr. Barry was driving me that day, and, and we had made our way back. And Anybody have been on the Beltway in rush hour traffic on a Friday? And so it took a long time to get back. And so when I got back to my office, and Barry dropped me off. All I'm thinking is get in my car, and I'm going back to my house. And Miss Pat calls me. And she says, Sister Deborah, you know her, Pastor. She ain't going to listen to nobody but you. Go make her go to the hospital. (laughs) You, You understand? My wife is telling me, go to this lady's house. And make her go to at least get some medical attention. How many of you know happy wife, happy life? (laughs) So I said, okay, I'm tired, but I'm going. So I went. She didn't live far from here. And I went probably a mile, uh, maybe even less than a mile is the distance that she lived from. And I went. I rang the doorbell. And I remember hearing her from her upper level say, it's open, come in. I guess Ms. Pat had called her and told her I was coming. And so somehow she had been able to open the door, but she had went back and just laid down strength. How I many of you realize sometimes you're so weak that your strength, whatever little task you do, you got to go back and try to rejuvenate. And that's where she was. And I said, okay, we're going to the hospital. I got her to put her arm around me and I tried to get up and try to just get her as much of her weight on me and got her into my car, took her to um, Holy Cross Hospital. And Funtu, uh, you'll have to help me. There's this thing called triage. And triage, I believe the first phase is to make sure that you got some insurance. It's you know, three phases. <laughs> the second one is to have somebody to come in and at least get your vitals. And then the next is your doctor comes in after the vitals have been taken three phases. you understand? And so all of these phases were taking a long time. Anybody ever been to the emergency room? Because that's where I took her. That's where I took her. And so when she finally got through... To go into the first phase of triage, can I borrow your phone, Denise? I'm see who you text. No. <laughs> everybody in the waiting room has one of these, including what? And you know how when you have your text phone, you can phase, or your phone, you can phase everybody out, even though you ain't doing nothing but playing Candy Crush. And so everybody was phasing everybody out. I'll never forget it. So I thought, I'm going to do the same. And I pulled out my cell phone. Those of you who know me, I rarely even have my phone. So I got my phone out because I'm tired. I haven't eaten no fried chicken. I haven't eaten anything all day. I'm hungry. And I'm sitting there. But I'm in the midst of the room with a lot of sick people. Do you understand? I'm taking you somewhere with this. I'm in the midst of the room with a lot of sick people, and I'm a Christian. I'm in an emergency room where everybody's saying, there's something severely wrong with me, and I'm a Christian. And what do I want to do? Hide behind the phone. And the Lord dealt with me. Because there was a, a family, a father, a mother, a daughter, and a grandmother. I will find this out later. And wow, are they loud. To the point of conversations like this, the daughter saying to the father, I hate you. And the father saying to the daughter, and I hate you too. And I'm thinking, I don't want to get in there. Let me play some more candy crush. <laughs> and the Lord says, Get up. Pray for people. The believer shall lay hands on the sick and they shall I How many of you believe it? How many are still good Samaritans? I think my numbers are going down <laughs> because when the Lord speaks you need to respond I needed to respond or keep playing games with my phone for all of us back in the old school days how did we survive without a phone but you did didn't you but you did and sometimes I believe we did better. I believe we did better. Not feeling that you have to say, see, some of us can't even have a conversation with a person if your phone dings or or, or rings and, and you just stop your conversation with it's like you're not important. I got to answer this. You're not important. I got to check this text. And the text is about what the Kardashians are doing today. So the Lord says, you're a man of God. Pray for the sick. I'm going to tell you, sometimes, folks, it's taking little steps. And I look for a little step. Here's what I saw. I saw a mother holding an infant. And I said, surely that's an easy target for me to pray. Because I don't want to deal with father, daughter, mother, and granddaughter over there cussing each other out. Can I just not be in that God? So I pray. I go in, I said, I'm a, I, I'm a minister, and they had been waiting like I had been waiting a long time. Deborah is in that first phase of the triage. And I said, May I pray for you? And he said, Oh yes. So I pray. The lady sitting beside for her said, You can pray for me too. Folks, I started praying, and now I'm not counting anymore. I'm not really in my head anymore. I'm just praying. See, to be a good Samaritan, folks, you don't just, you don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be a good Samaritan. You have to be at a place where you are sensitive to the Spirit of God, to the voice of God, and God God says, move, you move. Even though you have some resistance, and I certainly have resistance in me. But after a while, I looked up, and I pretty much had prayed for everybody that was in the emergency room, except, <laughs> <laughs> and how many of you know that God, when he tells you to do something, doesn't change his mind? So I stopped, I looked, I took a big exhale, and I walked over there. And I said what I said to just about everyone else. I'm a minister, and uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you. The so Father looked at me in the eye, and, I, and I, I hate, and perhaps I'm being um, stereotypical when I make this statement. I could tell he didn't like people of my color. And I, when I said, may I pray for you, he said, well... You might as well. Ain't nobody else done a GD thing in here. Oh, Lord. Whatever. I got myself into, And I was blaming Miss Pat now because <laughs> I was going home to eat chicken. <laughs> We're talking about the Good Samaritan. And I began to pray. The grandmother was be the one who started to introduce me. She would say she was the, the grandmother It appeared the daughter had taken some type of substance and she was severely being affected by it. Mom was just crying. She was just crying from the response from dad, crying from the response from her daughter. And so grandmother kind of took the lead and started introducing me and sharing with me and I started praying. And the child, a 16-year-old, I would later find out, she just she grabbed me and she hugged me and nobody hugs me like that but Miss Pat you understand what kind of hug I'm talking about she just she clung to me I had a black suit but I could see the tear stains just filling my chest up as this child is not just crying and I'm praying and I won't stop praying. I said, Lord, I can't stop praying until this child loses me. And I just pray. I'm looking at the father at the corner of my eye. And, you know, your 16-year-old daughter is now hugging this man who is praying for her. But it was all God. It was all God. Because he broke. He broke. I didn't tell him to extend his hand. But somehow, some way, this man had been exposed to the things of God before because he's now extending his hand in that prayer. Grandma is extending her hand. Mom is extending her hand. Well, sometimes there is some Jesus in people. You've got to pull it back out. It's gotten so layered. It's gotten so so hurt. They are the victim on the ground. And you've got to let them know they're the victim too. They're hurt. And it's coming from an unlikely source to help you. But it's God. I would go a step that I didn't think I was going to go. I started to ask the young girl about her relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you know God will take you real deep if you'll go with him? He'll let you get into other people's lives. He'll let you pull on that string that they have. Anybody ever had a knitted sweater? Somebody knitted it for you? You know what I'm talking about with the big needles. And you realize that if it have a string, a loose string, what do we want people to do with the loose string? Not pull it? But some people are dangling dangling their string at you, and you need to pull it so that they can be loosed. This is what T.D. Jakes was trying to say, Woman, thou art loose. Because there are people this week that are going to dangle a string at you. You need to pull that string. They are bound. They're, they're caught up. And God is, God's blessed you to be able to loose some people, Amen. even Amen. in this time that we're living in. Amen. But like this message that I'm trying to finish, you've got to choose to see that need. You can't hide behind your cell phone. You can't do what the rest of the world is so comfortable doing. You you are called out from that. You're called out of that kind of darkness over into a marvelous light, and you're supposed to let the light shine. You've got to answer the cry. I heard her cry. I I don't mind telling you. My first response was, I don't want to get mixed up in that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But there are times where God is saying... (laughs) you're here for that purpose how many remember Esther in the Bible you remember Mordecai said for such a time as this Esther have you been born into the kingdom of God for a time, pastor you're not just here to bring Debbie to the hospital you're here to be a witness for me in the hospital a witness to her yes but she's been taken care of, what about all these do I take an angle? Do you, are you comfortable with taking an angle so that you don't have to deal with it? And I tell you, I took an angle. But how many of you know that there are times when you take an angle and God will just help you to repent so you can take the appropriate angle. And it's called repentance. It's at 180 degree. Because here am I. I'm willing to take an angle and kind of say, that's that noise in the background. I'm not going to get involved in it. And the spirit of the Lord said, I need to take another angle. The military taught me how to do these little turns. It's an about face. Face it. Face it. Face the hurt that people are in and minister to it. Face the cry that's coming in your earshot and minister to that. Don't run away from it. If you're going to be a good Samaritan, you have to choose to answer the cry. Because that scripture that you just read from Proverbs 21, 13 says, don't ignore the cry of the poor. You need to respond to it here's the thing when you look at and we don't have to turn there Amy but in verses 34 and 35 of the text that we're in in Luke chapter 10 verses 34 and 35 this man refused to give up what do maybe we do 34 and 35 real quick I want to try to get you to the content he went to him he bandaged his womb poured some oil and wine Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. In verse 35, please. And the next day, he... Look, folks, there are times where people would do a little small thing and see you. This was no small thing. This was no small thing. I'm pretty sure Scripture didn't say it, but I'm pretty sure he took some of his clothing off. Remember? They robbed him of his clothes. I'm sure he dressed him. Not only bandaging up his wound, but making sure that he was properly clothed took him to the inn. i'm going to say this because this is a precautionary note for some of you who sometimes go to extremes here do you notice that he didn't say that he took him to his home i want to be balanced here did you notice that he said didn't say he took him to his home some of you don't realize that God's trying to protect you, even though He's trying to use it to help people. He didn't say the man took a, took this stranger to his home. I'm going to tell you a sad story. We lived in Florida. We lived in Cocoa Beach, or actually, we were in Melbourne, or no, not Melbourne, Cocoa, Florida. There's Cocoa, Cocoa Beach, and then. Uh, just probably 35 minutes north of there is Orlando, to kind of give you, you know, we lived in, in the city where uh, the house of the mouse is, uh, Orlando. And so, there was a time when the country of Cuba released all of their prisoners. I mean, they just, their jails were full, their prisons were full and overcrowded, and they let them all go. But they put them on a boat and sent them to Miami. Well, don't remember that. And they got in to the country, and many of them scattered once they got onto the borders, and they scattered. And we were going to our church on a Sunday morning, Miss Patty and I. We were married at that time, so it had to be in kind of uh, the early 80s, uh, probably 82, 83 time frame that I'm talking about. And so uh, we got to church, and there were two young men sitting on the steps of the church, good Samaritans. We wanted to respond to them. They didn't speak any English. They were fed. They were clothed. They were put into a shelter. And all of, I would say, the young Christians really wanted to be a part of helping these young men to know Christ and to be able to, as it were, stand on their own. And we had a friend. I won't call their names. But the husband was working in um, the medical field and would have the time to work on Sundays. But they had taken special interest in these two young men to the point to, to not really listening to the balance that pastors were trying to give them. It's like, we don't necessarily encourage you to bring the people into your home. We, we encourage you to help them. But you've got to protect your family first. I hope you understand where I'm coming from this morning in this message. I know I've been long and lengthy here, but I, I really feel like I, if I don't cover this, some of you take certain things and you get out of balance with it. And when we talk about helping people. And so they didn't really listen to that sound advice, and so we realized that they were inviting these guys over and uh, supposedly giving them rides, giving them meals, and had become a little bit over familiar. So on this particular Sunday, because of his medical occupation, he is required, the husband is required to work, the wife is home. But because they've given out their address, have had these people over before they really got to truly know them as children of God she said, not everybody's a child of God yet but they do require help and so the young man shows up she's here she's ironing getting ready to go you know I wanted everything to be pressed and ready to go to church she recognizes him opens the door he comes in He alleges that he wants to go to church that morning. But while she's ironing, he attacks her. He rapes her. He beats her. It's the same people who have fed him, clothed him, helped him. I mean, you know, you're not always dealing with Christians. You're to help everyone. But you're not always dealing with Christians when you help and you can't always take everybody into your home you ain't getting mad at pastor because he's telling you the truth on you <laughs> folks I know my zeal when I first got saved I kind of felt like you know it was our mandate to save everybody it's not your mandate to save everybody Jesus saves Jesus saves we can help people but there is uh, there is boundaries that church people need to know that they need to operate in. And these, these are close friends of ours. Thank God she was able to get beyond that point. But it was just disheartening to, to realize that you didn't really uh, understand the boundaries that you have to keep even when you're helping people. There are still boundaries. So, man, you're supposed to protect your home. And you just can't bring everybody up in your home. Even though you're helping in Christian. But it doesn't mean that you close your eyes. And close your ears. And go to the other side and not help. But help has its. You know. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help has its limitation. There's a limit that you, 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 you are able to go. And, and I believe it's a godly limit. That God wants you to take. Amen. And I love the fact that this man refused to give up. But he didn't take him into his home. He took him. There's a lot of time when you all bring people here, we try to find a place to house them, with this hotel, with the shelter. And sometimes it's better for people to get into shelter because of the systematic process of helping them to get into permanent homing. Um, you know, sometimes you will never get into the home that you want to get into until you go through this systematic thing that is in the. In the, it, it, it's just it is what it is. But I, I, I can't always just say, well, I, I, you got an extra room at your house, don't you, Pastor? I do. I do. But unless God says, that's where I'm supposed to take them, I'm not taking them there. I'm not taking them there. And I'm not, as a pastor, indicating that you should feel like that's what you're supposed to be doing. You can help in other ways. There are other uh, safety nets that you can help people with. But it's important that you know what they are and be involved in your church so that you know what they are and so that you can refer people accordingly. This man know what to do with this man. He took him to the inn. He ensured that he was going to be taken care of at night and any need that he had beyond that, he was willing to invest in that to help him. Number four and number five, probably so that we can Clothes. Number four, he was the key to bringing life. He was the key to bringing life. This man, if he had stayed there, I'm pretty sure would have died. He was the key to bringing life. Folks, there are people that you're going to come across their path. If they stay in the path that they're in, they're going to die. And sometimes I'm not talking physical death, but they're going to die. And you don't ever want to see a person die in their sins. You want them to know Jesus Christ. Fifth thing is this. In order to bring healing in a person's life, you're going to have to partner with others. The fifth thing is that he partnered. In other words, the innkeeper in this case. You remember what he did? He gave him some silver. He says, now I'm leaving this responsibility over. You take care of him. If there's any cost beyond this, charge it to me. But he had a partner now. How many know you got a partner you have a partner. God, God, this is why God wants people in church, so that you can be partners. You can't do all of this alone. How I many of you know we, one person can't save the whole world? Not a human being. Jesus does. But a human being, we can't. We can't get the gospel to everybody. You need partners. It's so important. Uh, Ms. Pat is, is, is constantly in collaboration with other churches in our 209-04 uh, jurisdiction, because we can't feed all of the people that are hungry. We're feeding thousands of mouths of getting fed, but that's just a drop in the bucket of the people that have needs. And you can't do it unless you partner with people. So he learned that in order to be a good Samaritan, good Samaritans partner with others. They partner with others. So I'm going to ask this question in closing. We're going to receive Communion. Are you a good Samaritan? Please don't answer. This is rhetorical now. If you've heard this message, if you've looked at the four characters in this particular message, are you truly a good Samaritan? And again, as I said, rhetorical, that says, nobody says anything. You ponder it in your heart. You ponder it in your heart. Am I truly a good Samaritan? And if you haven't been what you could have been or should have been, repent, If you haven't really been thinking about somebody, you've been taking the angle and going and just kind of taking the angle uh, and you've been justifying that you guys... I'm sure if you had asked the priest, why did you do what you did? He says, because I had stuff to do. If you had asked the Levite, why did you do what you did? He probably would have said, I had stuff to do. If I asked you, why did you not do certain things? You would probably tell me, Pastor, I had things to do. We all have things to do. But are we doing the will of God? Are we doing the will of God? If you want to do God's will, I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to just say to the Lord, I want to do your will, Lord. If there's anything in my life that has not been lining up with your will, I repent. I'm not going to receive communion this morning, Father, without coming to you with a clean heart. I'm not going to come and receive this communion this day without clean hands, God. Wash me. Remember before communion, there was a washing that needed to be done. And Jesus began to wash his disciples' feet. Wash me. You know, the Bible says when he washes you, he washes you whiter than snow. He pushes sin as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. This is the kind of God I'm asking you to come to because this is a God of God that's going to point a finger at you. This is not a God that's going to condemn you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But sometimes we can be in God but not doing the will of God. And if we haven't been, Father forgive us Forgive me of my trespasses. And I forgive those who have even trespassed against me. And sometimes our hurt and our place of being stuck is because of what somebody else did to us. And we didn't do right because they didn't do right. Well, let's not stay stuck there anymore. Forgive them right now. Forgive him. Forgive her. Forgive them. And forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Because God does. God forgives you. God is faithful and just to forgive. And so, Father, we are so grateful, so thankful. Because you tell us we need to remember this. And you gave us these really impressionable sacraments so that we would remember. That we had a Savior who loved us so much that he shed his own blood so that we could be forgiven. We could be forgiven. Somebody say, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Say it again, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. When you take it to Jesus, sincerely from your heart, you're forgiven. Though your sins, the Bible says, may be like scarlet, God washes them whiter than snow. I'm forgiven. That's the love of Jesus Christ. The ushers are going to come. They're going to distribute these elements, and I'm going to ask you to wait and hold that element. Those of you who are watching and viewing at home, I'm going to ask you to prepare your own elements, but to wait, and we're going to all receive these elements together. We're going to receive the bread. We're going to receive the, the wine, but we're going to do it together. So when you get it, don't... Don't just open it and take it and drink it. Wait, and we're going to do it as one. We're going to do it as one. One in the Spirit, one in the Lord. Remembering that we are forgiven. Remembering that blood has been shed, a sacrifice has been made. That we owed a sin or a price that we could not pay. And that our God paid a price that he did not owe so that we could be free. And we're celebrating and remembering we're free. We're free. We're able to be that good Samaritan. We're able to be that kind of Christ-like figure just like the one that we read about in Luke chapter 10. We don't mind stopping because our hearts go out to people. We don't close our hearts. We don't close our eyes. We don't close our ears to the cry. We respond. Because we know that we can help sustain that person's life, and that they can then be able to see that there is a Christ, there is someone who cares, someone who loves, someone who will never leave them, someone who will never abandon them, someone who will never take an angle to go to the other side. As you have your elements now, thank you, Brother Felix. I want you to take the wafer out. I know I cut my nails so low that it's always a little struggle sometimes to pull that little cellophane off, but I want to give you a moment, and when you have it, I want you to just kind of lift it up to uh, allow me to be able to see that you're ready to receive along with the rest of the body of Christ, so amen. If you see your neighbor struggling with that little container, help them. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. And so Jesus says to his disciples that the bread represented his body. And he indicated that he was going to lay down his body so that we could have the blessings, the eternal blessings of God. That's what that man did, the Samaritan. He got off of his animal. He spend, expended his own resources. He expended energy. And, uh, and even probably donated some level of clothing so that this man could be helped. Jesus did far more than that. But even in the person who was testing Jesus with this particular parable that we've had, he said, which one of them was a neighbor. Because you remember the question was, how do you define neighbor? Well, I hope you have come to the conclusion what a true neighbor is. I hope when you look back and when we introduced the Ten Commandments and said five of them focuses on your love for God, five of them focuses on your love for people. Love God and love people. And this is a reminder that God loved you that God love you. Say thank you Lord for sacrificing on my behalf. So I take this with a repentant heart and thankful that you are willing and just to forgive me. In Jesus name take the bread together. And the Bible then indicates that Jesus took the cup and he shared with his disciples, his followers, this cup represents my blood that was shed for you. And the Bible says, without the shedding of the blood, there would have been no remission of the sin. Every life, your life, my life, when your mother gave birth to you, blood was shed. When Jesus saved you, he wants you to remember blood was shed. Blood is so significant. I've said this often, and I'll keep saying it. If I had the ability to extract all of the blood out of your body, you realize then there's no life. There's no life. The life is in the blood. The oxygen that goes to all of your parts of your body is in the blood. Your blood actually takes out all of the waste products out of your body. The blood. And so I, what a wonderful way of Jesus helping us to understand. The blood plays a significant role. Your own human blood plays a significant role. But his blood plays a far greater role. It has forgiven you of all of your sins. And God has called you a friend of God. Look at your name and say, I'm a friend of God. We're friends of God. Don't ever forget that. Remember that when you're taking this cup. Not only have you been washed whited in snow, but you're a friend of God. Let's take the cup together, giving thanks unto Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Go ahead and stand to your feet as we give the benediction. Thank you so much for those of you who have been viewing online. Thank you so much for those of you who got up this morning and you came to the house of the Lord. You are blessed when you came in, and you are going to be blessed when you go out. You are blessed in the city, and you will be blessed in the field. You will go out and be the Samaritans that God needs all of us to be. You will see the need and respond to the need. You will hear the cry and respond to that cry. You will do whatever it takes until that person is able to get back up again and keep moving. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, and go be a blessing in Jesus' name. Love you. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.